you don't get a full picture if only you're if you're only looking at the ends of the binary or one end of the binary or the line like it's a whole constellation of multiplicities everything is including myself when she gets going and gets rolling she is a ball of confidence and fire it was nice it was nice to somehow feel like a like a movement from the, the head to the body or, or, or from the head to the heart. And it was just so lovely when she started um, really letting herself um, just speak from the heart around what ensemble, what ensemble practice means for her. And, um, and you can, you can just feel, you can just feel that like, this is, this is, this is not a practice. This is her life. Today we are dropping in with Margaret Peck. Margaret teaches dance at Lawrence University. The practice of teaching is integral to her creative process as she has been a movement educator for over 25 years. Margaret is continually challenged and inspired by her work with Lower Left Performance Collective and she is deeply influenced by her relationships with gymnastics, contact improvisation, and ensemble thinking. As a collaborative dance artist, her research engages in inclusionary methods and ensemble enterprises, and she is keenly invested in dance as an integrative life practice. She moves under the premise that we are all dancers. We may just not know it yet. We're dropping you into our interview process when Margaret begins to share about her passion, about ensemble thinking, and how that informs and encapsulates her life ideology. And trying to hold that kind of um, discrepancy of like, wow, this is really fucking messy. Um, and this has inconsistent, and what I'm saying right now has inconsistencies in what I'm saying and I'm still going to say it because it needs to be said. And then I want to be criticized and, and, and called and invited in on it. And I want to keep on, I want it, we need to keep on having the conversation. And because it's like Paul was just talking about in that within the constellation, like you don't get a full picture if only you're, if you're only looking at the ends of the binary or one end of the binary or the line, like it's a whole constellation of multiplicities. Everything is, including myself. And if you only hear one voice, you're only hearing part of it, which is also why I love collective and even like three people talking rather than one. You know? Right, right. I remember, I remember that so clearly, Margaret, and, I, and I, I've, I've used it so often um, in, in, in the collaborations that I've been part of since, since uh, we did the residency at Lawrence. But I... I distinctly remember this moment um, where you spoke to all of us and you said, you know, like you, the five of you, you know, Shura Barishnikov, Bradley Teal Ellis, Paul Singh, Sarah Connor, Aaron Brando, like any one of you could have come in here and, and taught a kick ass residency on your own. And it would have probably been a lot easier and maybe even more cohesive and better but I am so happy to see the five of you struggle through the collaborative process in front of my students. 
because for me that's where that's where the value is is watching people collaborate even if collaboration is more challenging and it's I, not I, even like yeah it's not even just that it makes me happy i feel like that is important work that's well i mean you said it a little bit but like to me it's super valuable work that needs to happen more in the world that doesn't happen enough as being part of lower left for uh over 20 years now um that's a long time to work with people and it's hard work and it's definitely not more efficient it's definitely not easier it's definitely not um more clear <laughs> but, but it's more but i find it so so valuable uh in acknowledging the multiplicity and acknowledging that there's not one right way and acknowledging the paradoxes that exist within everything and that uh it chips away at this idea we have as human beings that there is one right way and that there is one answer and that there's one uh, look to strive for or way to be or any of that and i think that's so powerful and so what what we need so what we need in our society um hi paul you just made me think of the silliest hi this is so funny um uh, we were. I was just talking about disruption, and Zoom was like, "Oh, you're hitting a little too close to home. Let's disrupt this." And so our Zoom call just shut itself down. And I was getting to a really good point too. So don't think I wasn't frustrated. <laughs> but I was. I was saying I would describe Brando logistically, then I would describe him through a set of lens of like empathy and the way that I see him a different way. And then the third way I would work with him is I would try to dance my version of Brando, like I would try to be yeah. him. Mm -hmm. And it's an exercise I really like doing. And so what I did with you was I, I had you describe something logistically to me about disruption and solidarity and resistance. And then at the third version, I tried saying it back to you as if I were you, as if I were someone that could embody your slowness, your processing, the entire history of the conversation since we started. And it came out really well. And so it was, I'm proud of me, but I'm proud of you and I'm proud of the thing in between. Um, that ended up making. And the cute thing I was just thinking is uh, my partner right now, it's funny because he can be a perfectionist and argumentative and in certain ways, but um, what you were just talking about when it comes to cooking and baking, um, he plays, we try making these pan banged cookies that you bang the pan in the oven and they melt in this amazing way and we can't get them to turn out right. We've tried three or four batches and he's so forgiving when it comes to baking and trying again and skewing the recipe a little bit and it's all part of the process. But in other parts of his life, he has a harder time doing that. And it was just, it's really going to the credit of what you said of like, there's no right way and there's such a different set of values and ways that we can all see things. And that's just one, one arena of how, um, I just think that's such a fun example of that. Silly, but you know, like, oh, it's so funny how you really understand that concept there, but it's harder to apply it to other ways that you have to present yourself in real life or the way you have to show up to work or a job or other responsibilities. Um, yeah, I just find that really interesting. Um, I wanna ask you about ensemble thinking and lower left a little bit. Mm. <clears throat> And um, would you 
would you describe um, ensemble thinking um, in two ways for me? We'll start with, with a logistic way, like if you had to write it down or describe it to someone who didn't know a lot about what it is. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, try that one first. Okay. There's a sentence we have on, there's now an ensemble thinking website that we worked really hard on collectively. Like it took us like days, months to write that, that sentence. As it should. Um, yes. And it's something like a, it's a collective, it's a collection of, of scores, practices, exercises. I forget which one we settled on that, um, that create uh, that give vocabulary and articulation to uh, capacity for making collective action, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but with more sentences and more like Margaret woo-woo um, ensemble thinking is it's a collect it's a collection of scores that are ever growing and are open scores and keep changing and also keep we keep adding to and taking away from that help us practice collective action that help us do things as a collective, as a collaborative, um, that make things more efficient, that make things, collective things, um, collective actions more possible, and also uh, illuminate my habits and practices as an individual within a collective. Mm. And lower laps for people that are listening. It's a group of individuals that come together, um, talented improvisers that try to practice those same themes, um, goals, goals, such a terrible word, but also wonderful same times, those same ideas that Margaret just said. So now I'd like you to... And, um, and I'll just add that Lower Lefts was a collective that started in San Diego with um, many different people boiled down to four women. Um, that I think of as the founders and then now is global and does all kinds of dance investigations, both in improvised and set choreography and in performance and in practice. Um, okay. Often I think we get put into improvisers yes 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 thank you for we are definitely yes. but yeah, anyway yeah. Yes. no and you got there you got there because i'm like margaret's too good at combining all the points of the constellation i'm like stick to this one point and she got there she used words like founders san diego for women performance and improvisation good so now i wondered if you could describe what you think of as ensemble thinking through the lens of just a more like felt sense space mm -hmm. like what what you think it does for you um, just another lens, another filter. Yeah, I can talk about what it did, what I feel like it does and did for me as a human being. Mm. Um, I feel like the practice of it made me who I am, honestly, um, combined with the practices of contact improvisation and other dance forms. But ensemble thinking actually um, 
yeah, I, I find it very formative in my being of I was a quiet, like once my coach got really excited because I spoke to him that day, kind of quiet in gymnastics because I was a gymnast, <laughs> as you said earlier. Um, super quiet outside in the world. I was a ham at home, but I was super quiet outside. Um, super good. Like I knew how to be a good student. I knew how to listen and watch a teacher and get what they really wanted, no matter what they were saying and give it to them Mm -hmm. and get a good grade. Mm. Um, I was, uh, yeah, like very, inside my own box or I knew what my box was and I, that's where I was as a person growing up. Um, also did not. Yeah. So I'll just say that. So ensemble thinking and honestly ensemble thinking in practice, not so it wasn't just like this theoretical thing. It was the practice of it, especially within those four women of Nina Martin Karen Schaffman, Jane Blount, and Mary Reich, who are all still amazing, doing amazing work out there, but Nina's the only one still in the lower left, um, actively. The, the practice of those four women teaching, performing, creating, and the ability to observe and work alongside of them gave me Um, basically blew open my brain and my body in a million different ways. Mm. And the practice practice of ensemble thinking made me realize and the practice of lower left in with alongside with me into me. I say I sucked and sucked from lower left until I got sucked in. And that's really what it felt like. I felt like I was just like, ah, Oh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, the the practice and that embodied feeling and practice of ensemble thinking in lower left um, made me realize I had a voice made me realize I could use it even if I'm not it's not my first language as Lisa Nelson once said like English or speaking is not my first language right and I don't mm. feel like it's my friend. That's a Lisa Nelson quote from a festival in Dusseldorf a few years ago. But, um, and I, I don't feel like I'm good at speaking. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's something I'm still really trying and working on. Um, but it, it, mm, ensemble thinking made me realize that I had a voice and saying my voice was important, even if I'm struggling to do it kind of in that same constellation way that you were just talking about, Paul, um, that it's important because without every single point, then it's just the line with the binary, right? Like, and it's my responsibility and my joy to do that, to, to keep learning and practicing those things, um, not just speaking, but all the things. And that as an artist, I want to have facility in as much variety as possible. I want to be able to lead. I want to be able to follow. I want to be able to um, complete the form, 
that's an ensemble thinking score. I want to be able to complete the form. I want to be able to be able to see the form, be able to be able to, yeah, I want to be able to be able to see the form. I want to be able to uh, make one idea with 20 different people. I want to be able to have radical autonomy. And these are all words that, that are embedded in a lot of the scores that we, of ensemble thinking. Um, that the physical practice of those scores allowed me to um, grow into those things as a human being. The physical, the physical like manifestation of these kind of philosophical things, practicing those gave me the ability to practice them in other ways as well. And to me, that's the, the like magic of ensemble thinking. I just want the people that are listening um, to hear how important these words are going to be past, present, and in the future. Ensemble thinking. Groups of people coming together to think together. And also the way Margaret thinks about um, working collaboratively in her studios when she's teaching, but in her whole life. Because it's important, gosh, it's so important what you said about speaking not being your first language. So many people are going to relate to that, but that's not your powerhouse. But moving might be. Writing might be. There's so many other ways that you can be identified that can be your powerhouse. And because you're working collaboratively, let someone else pick up the slack for the speaking part while you offer the other part. And that's where working collaboratively is going to be saving us. And let yourself practice it, knowing that somebody else will, like, pra I've practiced my weaknesses because I know mm -hmm. that it's not the only voice in the room, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, know, like, mm -hmm. because I know I'm not the only one there, I can, like, try on mm -hmm. speaking, and I have gotten better since I was 15, you know, like, it's, I've gotten better, and I'm still working on it, but, but the practice of it is important the practice in our weaknesses the things we think of as not weak if we don't practice them they stay there right mm -hmm, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and with a collective i can try them on and be as raw and as vulnerable as brando was talking about earlier in that document that just came out a week or so ago um and be be as different or like clashing and know that there are other voices that will fill in the other parts that will and i'm using voices metaphorically now but and also literally that there are other voices in the room, there are other bodies in the room that have different experiences that will, that in a collective where you're all valued and where you all feel the agency to be able to speak, mm. to be able to have your own individual be radically autonomous and also supported by the collective um, within that space if everybody, if you've built that community and you've built on that practice of both uh, relying on your strengths and also practicing in your weak areas, that everybody gets better. There's like a mm -hmm. different, and, and everybody feels more heard and seen and the collective can do something that an individual couldn't basically just what we were talking about earlier. But. Yeah. I, I just want to um, give credit um, to the document that 
um, we're referring to uh, something that has come out in the last couple of weeks um, as a as a as a response to what's happening to um, many artists, uh, especially gig gig artists, uh, dancers specifically, in 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 the face of COVID and having having their livelihoods uh, shut down with little to no recourse. And what has happened is a document called Creating New Futures was authored by a pretty significant and giant collective of um, people who represent the global majority in different ways, um, people of color, indigenous people, um, uh, queer, trans, uh, and, and, and it was somewhat of a gigantic collaborative coming together um, that coalesced and yet there's also um, an intense amount of radical autonomy that lies there within the document and there's a constant singling out of people's voices purposely and uh and then and then days after i think it was like four days after this document creating new futures was published um and and circulated there was a zoom call that actually critiqued the actual document to um, sort of put it on the table of this is a living, imperfect, flawed, inconsistent document that still has disparities riddled within it and yet is speaking and is speaking out against the disparities that are happening in our society right now, um, especially to artists who represent the, 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 the global majority and gig artists who are not affiliated with academic institutions. Um, and I just felt so inspired by this document and I wanted to talk to Margaret about it a little bit and we did. And there's one other, you know, I, this, this concept of radical autonomy, which you've already spoke to Margaret, it really, I, I, I'm just wanting to keep on understanding what, what radical autonomy Me means um, and how, and how, how true collaboration and how the practice of collaboration in some ways um, gives power to, to um, an opening um, and a true invitation of radical autonomy. Whereas, you know, the slippery and dangerous concept is in neo, neoliberalism or, or, or a capitalist system where um, radical autonomy um, is synonymous with uh, oppression or with competition or with getting your voice heard above someone else's. And I just want to really um, distinguish the way in which we're using uh, such a term and, and to speak more specifically to maybe your experience of like what, what actually you mean by radical autonomy and how, how it shows up in your work, in your teaching, how you how you make that happen in your in your pedagogy and in your life, because um, I, I do. It, it's it's one of those things where there's how, how does collaboration and your commitment to collaboration on every level of your life, how does that continue to inspire an idea of radical autonomy? How are those interrelated for you? Mm, thank you. Thank you for clarifying, Joe. That was super important, Brenda. Um, yeah. So the first thing I thought about, I just, I always, because it's in my experience in my history, I, I think about lower left and uh, lower left 
when I was a student of Shane, Nina, Mary, and Karen. And I remember being in class and somebody would teach something. Somebody would be speaking and being like, blah, 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 and this is how you do this and blah, 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 and do it this way. And then across the room, somebody would be like, or not, that doesn't never works for me and blah, 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 you know, like, blah, 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 and I do it this way, you know, like, or they would just be like, or not, and I can't do that or whatever. And to have my teachers be contradicting each other, be totally different, they're totally different, amazing forces of nature, all four of them are amazing individuals. And to have them all in the room taking class from each other, um, contradicting each other, saying radically different approaches, first of all, gave me a place, gave me a way in to be like, oh, my voice is important too. It's not that this is voice and I just need to support this voice always and all the time. Though sometimes that's valuable, right? Um, and I want to be able to do that too. But I also want to be able to know who I am, where I am. Karen, uh, Karen Schaffman and Mary Reich had a practice called um, creative research that was really about digging your own personal stories and emotions, all that stuff coming into your practice of your dance practice, creative practice. Um, and that was right alongside ensemble thinking, alongside contact improvisation. So anyway, this idea that my actual personal person and everything that I am is just as valuable though of course different from the person next to me right and that that i and so if we boil it down physically in completing the form you want to have complete radical autonomy i can do like you just make a shape and you stay there right i can do like anything i want to and somebody else then comes in and somebody else comes in somebody else then comes in and each person having their own radical autonomy, being like radically, being able to be different, being able to do anything that they want to. And it'll still make a form. It can still make a form sometimes. Like, so that's the practice, right? That's what the score. And just that idea that, and sometimes different things get highlighted or different individuals get highlighted or different groups of people, different things are, are um, illuminated by the because of the shape of everybody else and if i just think of it that way and then broaden it metaphorically is what i feel like it's what it is like this idea that because there are more than one if if i was just doing this on the street that would be so different than if i had the group around me right and like what um and what it's, a collective and it's non-hierarchical. Non that's what I'm. What, that's that's one of the main things that I'm hearing is that e each each expression is valuable within within the collaboration. Um, and there's where the radical autonomy is. Is that like each e you, my expression is just as what I heard you say is my expression is just as valuable as as the next. And 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 to have that horizontality um, 
is is then is then that is the rebellion because that is not how radical autonomy or individualism works in our society right now it's like how can i be better than you how can i have my voice be heard over yours um in some way um and when we're working as a collective we can individually and then therefore collectively decide like oh that voice needs to be heard i'm going to support it now right or oh nope and sometimes we individually and collectively decide that and sometimes the form decides that for us which is also taught to me within the work like sometimes i'm doing something and i think i'm supporting somebody and then i notice because it's a continual practice of noticing right that oh everybody is is like supporting that what i'm doing right now i am actually in the focus so the group can give you focus without you even wanting it sometimes um, and so there's this dance even within that of like what of where the focus is which voice gets heard other voice gets heard like it can't just be one voice all the time oh. and it can't just be that's not that's that's not a collective that's not a dance i don't know you know like that's not like maybe that is a dance but it's a, a dance i don't want to be dancing right now um yeah I yeah, it's so yes. funny. You're you're just asking for trouble. That model we've seen tried and failed so many times throughout our history because everyone everyone counts. Everyone's got that balance. Everyone has something that needs to be said and heard no matter what the modality that it's chosen. So that's what I love about ensemble thinking and your collaborative spirit is because it's just a model or just an idea that could really be um, effective. If it's we, so hard. It's so hard. Like yeah. that's something that like like I learned it in dance, right? I've learned it within this form and that's a it's a place where you can really work it out. But like to do it in the in a classroom has been mm-hmm. a practice that I feel like I've gotten better at. But it's still so hard when like, no, I just want you to listen to what I'm saying right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as a teacher, sometimes you want that. But then I check myself and I'm like, okay, but each voice has a place and even if it's not the voice I wanted, sometimes that makes it actually a better class or a better, you know, like a better experience or in the same way that when I think about my experience as, as a student. And also with this trio that lives in this house with me, like it can be really hard because we're taught as parents, as people becoming parents that we're supposed to like tell her what to do. Mm. And know what the right thing is and sometimes we do right like you shouldn't go running out into the middle of the street blah 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 whatever but like how do we build a collective it's so hard in parenting but but yeah like and to be able to give everybody agency and voice and the power to self uh create and self-express sorry if, if we had all the time in the world, I would ask you about um, being liminal. Between us, there is art, which is a quote from mm-hmm. Margaret. I'd ask you about the liminal. I'd ask you about teaching at Lawrence College, which is a music conservatory, but teaching dance in it means you're teaching people that aren't necessarily going to go on to be professionals. But because of that like ambitionless nature, I feel like those students might have even more to offer because they are there's an excitement around that. I'd also ask you about this thing I wrote down about you that um, 
when you're moving in space, either static or moving, you have the gift of being able to say a lot without doing much. You have this very intense, daring look on your face that holds people very accountable to their choices in the space, but it also says, I'm willing to break my own rules at the same time. It's crazy and it's a gift. And so there's a prowess that you embody when you're in an improvisationary situation. And I'd ask you about that embodiment. Don't have a lot of time. So those three things I will live with in my soul and answer for myself. The last thing I'll ask, which you don't have to answer. And, and we can all, always have another one. Of we can always have another one. <laughs> but I, the last thing I'd ask it takes is, me time. To it takes you feel time like to process. like we just got in a groove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll round back to something Brando asked at the beginning with his, um, what ended up being a slurry of questions when we thought it was actually one. Um, is there... My last question is, is there anything um, you're doing to take care of yourself right now in any way? Oh my God, there's so much. But I just want to say thanks for encapsulating that and for asking all those questions and for telling me that about me because that's it's nice to be reflected. And it was, so, and I also just say, set go, which is Shura and Sarah and Brando and Bradley and Paul, which Brando named everybody earlier. But we're just here in Wisconsin. Feels like just here in January. And that was such a gift. And I still like, that's actually part of what, that's like a seed that like flipped me into taking care of myself in a different way. And so I really appreciate all of you um, so much. Um, I am taking care of myself right now by letting myself improvise and focusing on taking care of myself self at least part of every day mm. um in a big general way often definitely not every day of the week but probably three to four days of the week um i wake up early i go to bed with ellen we all sleep in the same bed so i go to bed with my family at like nine o'clock it's been getting later and later so <laughs> it used to be seven thirty. <laughs> um 8.30, 9 o'clock, and then I will wake up at like 4 or 5 in the morning, and sometimes it's been getting later too, so 6 in the morning, <laughs> but then I have this time in the morning that feels like my own. Sometimes, somehow in the afternoon, it always feels like I should be doing emails or I should be, um, you know, taking care of academic work or blah, 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 or my daughter or making food or something, but from like five in the morning until about eight in the morning, usually I have this time, right? About three days a week and I let it be flexible. That's one thing I've really nailed down is like, oh, it's not something I do every day and that I need to do every day, but that I'm gonna do in general. Um, but I do at least one sun salutation a morning right here on this. <laughs> um, but it's usually one and um, go upside down once a day and then I have a whole like list and practice of things that I'm returning to after 10 years that I haven't done in a long time like write in my journal which I honestly hadn't been I think I probably wrote 10 times in the last 10 years and I used to fill up a journal like every two months you know um, so I'm writing more regularly in my journal I am doing some moving sometimes i take i've taken like a couple of movement research classes a couple of earth dance like things where i can connect with people and it's really only been a couple like two or three um 
but remembering that I'm connected to that outside world since I moved to Wisconsin and remembering it too, like remembering it in my body, not just knowing it has been really valuable. Um, reading some things, like reading some things like the interview that uh, Paul did with Eva. Um, and so like random things that I catch, um, the other, um, and some things like, uh, sorry, the other uh, article that Brenda was just talking about that was put out, but also like Emergent Strategy um, by Adrian Marie Brown, um, Why We Dance by Camarillo Lamoth. Um, and these things like, um, um, and not like actually reading them, but like be allowing myself to like read like a paragraph and really soak in it and not feeling bad for not reading anymore. <laughs> and then like reading another paragraph like two weeks later. Um, uh, drawing, writing, all these things I do in the morning sometimes for myself. Singing, I got out the guitar again that I know three chords on and like sing the one song that I know how to play, but like these things that like remind me of what I love about myself. And also I've been, I, there's a, uh, I noticed as I was writing, cause writing helps me reflect the other morning that I was writing about these incidences in, incidents in my life. And I was like, Oh, they're all Michelle's, but I've been practicing. I've been doing a healing session thing with Michelle Boulay. who was an amazing, healer dancer. I've been, uh, one of my students named Michelle Haberlin just did her honors project. It's the first honors project I've ever done in dance. And that gave me this whole other thing about thinking about dance and thinking about practice and thinking about what I'm giving to students and what I want to give and what, where I'm lacking and where I'm going to grow. Um, and then uh, I also watched Michelle uh, Obama's documentary. <laughs> Um, but so having the time to do those things, like a little bit of reading, a little bit of watching, a little bit of stuff that feels like it's feeding me too. a little bit of taking class, a little bit of talking to people I love. Ta-da. Yeah. Like those, all those things I feel like have been, and trying to do something with our family every day, physical, like mm -hmm. playing dog or taking a walk or riding bikes or playing badminton. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I just love, I love how that is, um, that we came full circle in this, in this. Thanks, Paul, so much for asking that. And Margaret, thank you so much for taking the time. This, um, this fills both of us up as well. Uh, it, it's just such a pleasure to get to spend this time with you and to get a slice into your world right now. And uh, your articulation of some of the some of the bigger ideas that you're contending with now and and how you're how you're really using and how we're all using our our somatic experience to to cope with not just this pandemic but with the the, the crises that happen in our daily lives and um, you really speak to and live um, a kind of resilience and a kind of um, a kind of way of being that I admire so thank you so much, Margaret. Thank you, Brando. Can I, I, I think, I'll just, can I say one more thing? Of course, uh, yes, definitely. I think it, it came out during that, that Zoom break that we had. 
mm -hmm. um, that Zoom imposed upon us. But the idea that my improvisation practice, I feel like, has prepared me for this moment, and it honestly doesn't feel as drastic to me because of a lot of privilege I have in my situation, but because of this practice of improvisation, of knowing that I feel like this practice has served me in many ways of knowing that like nothing is permanent, that you always have to be aware and like noticing self and figuring out where to go and what, where you are more than where you go actually. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost what I wanted to say. There's something else. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's keep improvising. Oh, that's such a good note to leave on. Thank you so much, Margaret. Um, yeah, thank you for your relief, your comfort, your your um, your honesty, and just reminding us all that yeah, what we need is already in there. Yeah. It's just how you get it out to the surface with the support that you crave. Yeah. Thank you both for asking me. I felt so honored to be asked. I'm so excited to talk to you both. Because honestly, this kind of stuff helps me, pro helps me process too.